I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and, not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many yeah, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. everybody, and welcome back to From Complex to Queens, the Mason Avenue's Modern League Podcast. I'm Steve Saipa, and I'm joined this week by Lucas Vlahos and Thomas Henderson. How are you guys doing this week? I'm doing well. I wish it was less miserable outside. <laughs> yeah, it's not that great. I think it was pretty crappy last week, too, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, I don't remember five minutes ago, if I'm being honest, so... <laughs> Well, in that case, I'm totally right. Mm-hmm. All right, so promote, extend, trade this week. And on this date back in 1911, the RMS Titanic, it was launched from its dry dock in Belfast. And it passed its sea trials eventually about a year later, and it left on its maiden voyage. Obviously, we know it never completed that voyage. Mm-hmm. So, much like the Titanic, what Titanic teams are we going to promote, extend, or trade here that never actually made it to the World Series? That's a good one. So, first up, we have the 1951 Brooklyn Dodgers. They went 97-60. and 60. They had the NL MVP, Roy Campanella. They had six other All-Stars on the team. Gil Hodges, Jackie Robinson, Pee Wee Reese, Duke Snyder, Don Newcomb, Preacher Rowe. But they lost on the last day of the season to the Giants with the shot heard around the world. Next up are the 1998 Atlanta Braves. They went 106 and 56. They had the NL Cy Young Award winner, Tom Glavin. They had five other All-Stars, Larry, Greg Maddox, Walt Weiss, Andres Galarraga, Galarraga, excuse me, and Javi Lopez. But they lost to the Padres in the NLCS. And then finally, we have the 2001 Seattle Mariners, who tied the Major League record with 116 wins and 46 losses. They had the AL Rookie of the Year and the MVP in Ichiro. Plus, they had seven other All-Stars on that team. John Olrud, Brett Boone, Edgar Martinez, Mike Cameron, Freddie Garcia, Jeff Nelson, and Kaz Sasaki. But they lost to the Yankees in the ALCS. It's got to be. The Mariners, right? Yeah, and it's very easily games. the Mariners for yeah. me. Like it, it, it sucks to be like they won the most games, so that's the answer. But for me, that's that's the answer. <laughs> like that team's also fun as hell. Yeah. Um. Like, and also, with, like just with Edgar and Ichiro alone, that's already a super fun team. And then also five other <laughs> All Stars. Yeah. Right. And like the Mariners have like no history, really. Like. That's probably the best team in their well, – not probably. That is the best team in their history. <laughs> the and, best team in Major League history. Yeah, right? And it lost in the ALCS. You know, like it didn't even lose in the World Series. Because if you lose in the World Series, like sure, you didn't win it. But also making just making it is an accomplishment. 
that I feel like we don't really celebrate enough. But to not even go and win that many games and have that a good a team is wild. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, playoff baseball is yep. almost meaningless. It's like just totally random. I mean, the the the, the Mets. <laughs> Mets, yes. That, that 2015 Mets team wasn't the best. The Cubs out, were a you know. better team than the Mets in 2015 by yeah. a significant margin, I would say. I think the Dodgers were better too. But the Mets were also probably a better team than the Royals, and then they lost the one they should have. So yeah. That's, that's, a, that, that's the thing, though, right? Like the Orioles were a mediocre team for two years running and made it to the World Series both times. Everything's coming up, Millhouse. Uh, I'm gonna trade the Dodgers one because that play when you get that kind of play made on you, you deserve to lose, and then uh, promote the the our last option there. Well, it wasn't their fault. The Giants were cheating. Yeah, oh, they were. Huh. They were. I mean, is, is the Astros World Series legitimate now? Ooh. I'm not actually familiar with this. The Giants were actually cheating? Or? Yeah, they were sign-stealing. Mm-hmm. I forgot about that. How were they sign-stealing? They had it... The, the way the polo grounds were structured, you know how it was It was shaped yeah. like a bathtub and the, the yeah, clubhouse yeah, yeah. The clubhouse was in center field. Uh-huh. So there's a dude in a dark... In a, in a room with all the lights off, so it was dark. He had a telescope. He was stealing the signs... Then he was sending the signs to a dude in the bullpen. And the dude in the bullpen, they had some sort of wires underneath the ground that was then going to the dugout. The giant Holy dugout. shit, that's wild. I've never heard this before. Yeah. Look, if you're breaking out the, the goddamn Hubble telescope to cheat, yeah. then, <laughs> then go ahead. <laughs> that's like five, it like 500 feet to center at the polo grounds, too. Yeah, it's like insanely far. Well, that's why you need a telescope. <laughs> Jeez. Now I feel bad. Uh, how have I never heard this story before? Yeah, but that Giants, that Giants team, that, that Dodgers team won eventually. So, yeah. like, two years later. The fact that Ichiro never got a ring fucking blows. Yeah. I kind of wish he did one of those. Uh, I, I kind of wish he just ring chased when he was, like, he 45. Tried. He, he tried. He tried with the Yankees. And... Yeah. Just, I guess, pick a better team. <laughs> but pick, not the <laughs> never Yankees. pick the Yankees. I do believe he still has the only inside-the-park home run in All-Star Game history. That's about right. Doesn't Michael Young have one? Or is that That's a triple? He... Inside-the-park home run MLB All-Star Game. Here we go. I feel like Michael Young might have had like an RBI triple or something. No, Ichiro is the only one with okay. an inside-the-park home run. Well, it's better that way. Each of deserves to be alone in history. All right, let's move on now to our way-too-early draft update. And my guy, Jude Fabian, excuse me, Judd Fabian, he played the four games this week, one against University of Kentucky, one against MSU, one against Alabama, one against Tennessee. And he went 4-15, all singles, with three walks, three strikeouts, and a stolen base. So, another week without any power, which is not great, but at least he hit a little bit, and at least he, he drew a couple of walks and didn't strike out excessively. I wonder if he's consciously trying to cut down on the Ks a little bit. 
It's possible. Uh, Ken isn't here this week, obviously, so I'll take a look at Adrian Del Castillo as well. And he went one for seven in two games, one against Duke, one against Florida State. And he also had a, a walk and two strikeouts. So another not great week for him either. Uh, obviously, uh, Brady House and Andrew Painter, their seasons are done. So before we move on, uh, the mock complex is struck again. And this mm-hmm. time we have... Not one, but two different drafts to talk about. Mock drafts to talk about, that is. Carlos Calazo from Baseball America released his fourth mock draft of 2021. And then over at MLB Prospect Pipeline, Jim Callis released another one. And you have to go all the way down to the ninth pick to finally find uh, a selection that they both agree on. They both think that the Angels are going to pick UCLA shortstop Matt McClain. That feels very Angels, yes. Yeah. <laughs> so, As in, that, like, a underwhelming, hit-over-power, low-ceiling college middle infielder from L.A. Yeah, that's yep. that's an Angels pick right there. That basically reinforces that um, teams can get typecast, talking about the Angels, Mm-hmm. And that there's still, you know, two months to go and there's so much uncertainty and even the top of the draft board is pretty fluid. So we'll look at the Baseball America one and they have the Mets picking Ty Madden, a right-handed pitcher from the University of Texas. So tell me a little bit about Ty Madden, whoever was looking him up. So I, I looked into Madden a go. bit. Um, he was... A high school prospect because he was the kind of Texas, big Texas right-hander who takes a leap into senior year, gains like 40 pounds or whatever, um, but chose to go back to school. Uh, his freshman year, he was solid, but there was a real problem with walks. He cleaned, he seemed to have cleaned it up going into his sophomore year, but then COVID. And now, uh, look, I'm not going to say he's been bad, but he's, he's been pretty good. Uh, is striking out more than a batter per inning. The walks aren't insane, so just a hair over three and a half, if I'm reading, uh, a hair under three and a half. Um, and he's got a 2.66 ERA. Uh, I have to admit, I don't know a ton about college division strength, but if he's playing for Texas, I assume their, their league is reasonably well regard, highly regarded. Um, Fastball in the mid to high 90s, curveball, which I'm always a fan of fastball curveball guys. Look, there, there, there is something here, probably, right? Like, I think he's a reasonable prospect, but I don't see, like, super, super high-end stuff. I don't see super, super high-end uh, uh, command control. Right. He doesn't strike me as someone he, – he strikes me as someone who is neither a lock to be in the rotation nor the kind of guy who has top end of the rotation upside. So I'm not a particular fan of this mock. Um, just for reference, right, like he has a 10.5 K9 and a 3.2 BB9. Uh, David Peterson, who we're all very familiar with, as a senior in the – or a junior in the Pac-12 – had a 12.6 K9 and a 1.3 BB9. Now, the Pac-12 is a very good division, like as good as any in base and in college baseball, I would say, and generally quite offensively inclined. So 
I think from a scouting perspective, Madden has better stuff, but the surface level results are meh to me. Now well, we've said this a lot. When you have the tenth pick, you don't necessarily want your guy to just be meh. Even though you're kind of in that amorphous area of like the best of the best are gone and mm-hmm. you're starting to draw from the guys that kind of have some flaws. But at 10, you're, are, you're still, you know, the cream of the crop of those guys that are kind of eh, with some flaws. So, mm-hmm. Look, I'd certainly prefer him to Cusick, who they'd been drafted, uh, mocked with previously. But uh, friends, Colt, Colton Kowser, I forget who mocked that him to the Mets last time we did this, but he's going at 12th in this mock. I would 100% rather have, rather have Colton Kowser than Ty Madden, and it's like not close to me at all. Mm. So... And then the Mets obviously have been pigeonholed into for the last couple of years, you know, oh, they like safe college outfielders, mm-hmm. which, uh, you know, would fit. Speaking of safe college outfielders, well, <laughs> I don't know about safe, but speaking of yeah, college outfielders, a- the uh, other guy that MLB Prospect Pipeline had the Mets picking, Sal Frelick. He's an outfielder from Boston College. Yes. What can you tell me about him? Um... He's pretty interesting. Uh, he is only 5'9", 180, um, so he's a smaller guy on the field, obviously. Um, he was originally a middle infielder at Boston College, and they moved him to the outfield, and he started, like, so he's played, like, second, short, center, and right during his time there. So, also, that's pretty interesting because it's just, well, it's versatility, and it's interesting versatility. You could kind of move a guy like around like him a lot. Um, and I think the thing that really people that seems to stand out with him is he's, he seems to walk a lot. Like he seems to be like a high contact, high ability to make contact guy. So he doesn't strike out a lot. Like as a true freshman, he struck out 16 times in 38 games. So like he just doesn't really strike out at the college level, which again, it's the college level, but also that's impressive regardless of where you're playing to strike out that few, that, that little um he had a rough 15 game sophomore campaign um only hit 241 but then he turned it back around this year and hit 322 428 486 um he only struck out 22 times um in 208 at bats walked 33 um he did well in the cape cod league like he's done well everywhere he's played but it's just not a lot of power and it's a smaller player and the ceiling seems to be a bit of a question mark for me with a guy like this. Like, he'll go up the system and he'll probably... His bat-to-ball skills are obviously impressive. Otherwise, he would strike out more, uh, which is very Captain Obvious of me, but still. Um, he's an extra, But he's an extra base hit, heavy hitter, not a home run hitter. So it'll be curious to see how he develops a guy like this because he's like a speed, util- utility, defense doubles guy and they kind of took that already with PCA last year but PCA was a kid and you could kind of build you could mold him a little bit more than it's someone who graduated college but I think it's kind of safe I know you said it isn't but I kind of see it as safe and he might be one of those dudes who just plays everywhere for you like he doesn't play just one position he's not like your starting center fielder he's like he'll play one game at center and one game at second one game in right and he gets his at-bats that way, which is valuable in and of its own right, but I don't know how valuable that is at 10. 
you know? Yeah, that's my... I'm a little surprised that I'm the highest guy on Frelick. I quite like that pick, actually. Is it because it has, like, a floor of, like, a utility player? I mean, I, I see, I see high contact, I see yeah. walks, I see speed, I see center field defense. Yeah, I mean, you're not, and it's one of those things that, like, worst case scenario, he's a guy who plays five games out of seven at five different positions. Mm-hmm. And maybe he's not the best hitter on your team, but he's a solid contributor. And that's not bad at 10, but also, like, again, 10 seems shiny. Like, 10 seems like a star, but it very often is it with baseball. Mm-hmm. That's just how it works. I think the PCA comparison is not the wrong avenue to go, but I also think he has more raw athleticism than PCA in terms of speed, which makes me more like act, like just flatline speed. Yeah, I think he's yeah exactly. I think he's more likely to stick in center because or be able to play center um, because of that. And from what I've read in the scouting reports, that seems to be accepted as a general view that he'll handle center just fine. Mm-hmm. Um, and the other aspect I, I think also is that as a college player, he's nominally closer to being major league ready than any high schooler you pick. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and if you're going to be picking a guy that's going to rely on athleticism and that you want to play an up the middle position, uh, I don't hate the idea of getting the guy that's closer to the majors because as we know, this stuff kind of falls off quickly with age. So get the guy who's going to, get to the majors quickly in that spot rather than the high schooler who by the time he's ready to get to the majors might not have that skill set anymore. Um, Maybe I'm still just too low on PCA, man. (laughs) Possible. I'll be the high guy on Frelick, though. He seems fun. Yeah, he's he's fun. I for sure think he's a fun player. He's just... It's an interesting fit with... um, at 10, but also, like, this draft is kind of weird, and it's right after a COVID year, so I understand it. And also, he's been good. Like, he's outside of 15 games as a sophomore, which who knows what could have happened if he played a full season. That might look a lot better because 15 games is nothing, even in an abbreviated season. Like, even in a shorter college baseball season, I should say. I was going to say, we keep we're kind of looking at it in a vacuum. We're looking like 10. Yeah. Okay, you're getting the 10th best player. This guy is going to be good. But it really it fluctuates from draft to draft. And I mean, these are the kind of guys that are projected to be mm-hmm. available, that are projected to be the best players around 10. So, you know, we kind of have to put away our preconceptions of what a 10th pick is supposed to be and just look at what is around and yeah, who is available. For sure. I mean, let me... First, I have a fun observation, because you pointed out that he doesn't strike out a lot. I'm like, hmm, let me go check with Nick. how many times Nick Madrigal struck out. <laughs> Frelick has struck out 28 times this season, and we say that slow. You want to guess how many times Nick Madrigal struck out in three full college seasons? It's probably like 15 or something. Yes. 20 a little higher than that. 21. 30, 37. Oh. It's 600 and <laughs> so. What a bum. Ah. He doesn't even strike out in the majors either, really. No. Like, his, his, okay, look, he's not, he does not have an eight. Frelick does not have Nick Madrigal's eight hit tool. <laughs> Otherwise, he'd be going in the top five, like Nick Madrigal did or should have. <laughs> I, um, I don't remember where he went. 
uh, what was, what else was I going to, oh, the, here's the question. Of the four guys we are still talking about, Fabian, Del Castillo, Madden, and Frelick, who would you most want of those four at 10? I don't know. That's tough. What does the cat say? Uh, she's, she's living it up. She's having the time for her life meowing over here. Mm-hmm. The birds, but, um, the birds and the cat are having a conversation back. <laughs> yeah, I think so. That's the birds are screaming in the background. The cat's meowing. It's chaos out here, folks. <laughs> um, I honestly might take Frelix just for the utility of it and the contact mm-hmm. ability, because like Madden is kind of whatever. Like he's a like he'll be a fine pitcher, but I feel like it's a bit of a David Peterson syndrome type thing. Yep. Where exactly he's like how a fifth, I feel about. He's like a fifth starter and. And as we see, fifth starters are fine, but they're not amazing. <laughs> and Peterson gets blown up sometimes, and because that's what fifth starters do, you know. So, like that's kind of safe, and he'll probably make a major league roster. But okay, like I'd rather swing for the fences a little bit more. And I think a guy like Frelick could be, even if I don't want to comp someone to be Ben Zobris because I feel like that's a little aggressive. But like, even if he's half that. That's like a very solid, valuable. Ben Zobris should have won two MVPs. Yeah, <laughs> he like, really should have. Of course, I'm not going to sit here and be like Ben, like comparing every, anyone to him because he could play like eight positions and probably catch two, mm-hmm. and he was a switch hitter and could hit and, in his prime and everything. But like, we see it this year. The Mets could use a guy like him because he oh, would. He would be fucking lootly. He would be all over the play, all, all over the diamond, and all over the starting lineup. And that's the type of stuff that. Like, what made Jeff McNeil valuable at first, and then he settled into second base because eventually, most times you just settle. But that's still valuable to have a guy who could move around like that because you could be creative with him. And the Mets don't really have that, and that'll be fun. I also see the rule changes as baseball trying to get some speed back into the game. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm a little intrigued by drafting a guy who seems to have high-end speed. And he could run, yeah. He had yeah, like 35 true. steals in the Cape Cod yeah. League. Like he was just like, I, he was just running all over the place. All, and the Mets all, seem to want to do that, which is nice. Yeah, yeah I mean, they have, they have, none of their guys can actually hit right now. So. <laughs> yeah, so they're just like, screw it. Jonathan well, VR, steal third again. Uh, the, the, the other question, of course, here is like, would we just prefer Kowser to all four of these dudes? Yeah. I think I might. Mm, yeah. Right now. But that that being said, I wouldn't be I wouldn't be mad at any of these picks because I would understand each of them. But Fabian would be a bad pick at ten at this point, I think. Probably with all the shutdowns. <laughs> but sorry, Steve. <laughs> I think he's still like second in the in the conference with home runs. Really? Wow. Yeah. What is he up to? Let me look. I, I want to say he has 18 on the year so far. That's in, completely boomer bust. That's in fairness, like, uh, Baseball America has him going 26 to the Twins, so it wouldn't be hugely bad, but yeah, wouldn't be great. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I can. I, I can. I can oh, he's 20 20 homers. Excuse me. Homer's a lot of power, man. Yeah. But yeah, that that the amount of strikeouts is not great. It's I mean, you could have as many home runs as you want with a metal bat and everything like that. If you can't hit, then you can't hit, and you're just it, you're if you're striking out there. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think I mentioned Griffin Conine last time we were having this conversation. Mm-hmm. 
All right, now let's move on to the CPBL, KBO, and PB update. And first we'll look at the Unilions, the CPBL team, and still no games in Taiwan this week. And new COVID cases are going up. There's about 500 a day now with a death rate that's gone from like 15 at the beginning of the week to 20 now. So climbing. It's amazing and to me that 500 cases a day is a crisis somewhere yeah. well, given the reality we've lived and yes i know taiwan's a lot smaller but that rate is still so low compared to what right. we had here and they react so much better to it mm-hmm. the problem is only about one percent of the population which is around 23 million is vaccinated so mm-hmm. things are gonna get worse before they get better and on the topic of vaccinations politics is getting involved now um just this week there was a deal in place with a German company to get vaccines shipped over there, but the deal fell apart basically at the last second because the company told the Taiwanese government to remove the word country from their joint press release since China uh, uh, yeah, China contests that they're a country, so not great. Jeez. That pisses me off. I was going to make a joke about John Cena, but now I'm too angry. Yeah, <laughs> yeah no, it's it's fucked. I, I guess that I don't know if we're going to get banned in China right now, but Taiwan is a country for what it's worth. Taiwan is a strong country. Uh, she, you can go fuck yourself. Oh, yeah. no. I did, we just lost two Chinese listeners. Damn. Oh, well. Fucking sue me. <laughs> our, our listeners have just dropped by 50% now. <laughs> it's back to <laughs> only Ringo. <laughs> Yeah, Ringo's just in his in his house right now waiting for the for the draw. <laughs> the LG Twins, they went three and two this week, and then they had a game canceled, so that leaves them at twenty five and twenty one on the year, which is tied for third place with the KT Wiz, and two games behind the the Landers for first place. <laughs> stupid, Landers, stupid, sexy man, get the Landers out of first <laughs> stupid place. Sexy stupid, sexy Landers. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> oh. Oh, the, uh, so the, the offense had a pretty good week. Um, leadoff hitter, um, <sighs> Chang Hee Hang had a good week. Hansu Kim had a good week. A Song Che had a good week. But the guy that, you know, at least last year anyway, we thought was going to be the, the, the powerhouse of that team, Roberto Ramos, he's been pretty blah, which is kind of surprising since he was really good last year until he got hurt. And at this point, you know, there should not be any lingering in- injuries or anything like that. Yeah, he was going to, like, set the home run record, right? Like, he was on yeah. that. Yep. Uh, right now he's hitting 244, 316, 419 in 43 games with seven homers. And at this point last year, he was hitting around 300 and had 10 homers. So, I mean, the home run pace is, is a little bit back, but not crazily. But it's yeah. like he's just hitting for shit, really. They dejuice the balls in Korea too. <laughs> and last, not least, are the occult swallows, and they went four and two this week, so they're still in third place. Um, they're just one game behind the Yomiuri Giants for second, and then five games still behind the Hanshin Tigers for first. Uh, another week, they had some surprisingly good pitching, so maybe they're turning a corner in that regard, and. In particular, looking at the hitters, Norichika Aoki, he had his 2,500th hit combined between the NPB and the MLB. He went full for 13 with three walks this week, so 
pretty good, but not crazy or anything like that. And that kind of like describes his career. Uh, you know, pretty good, but not crazy or anything. In six years in the MLB, he was a, a solid complimentary hitter. He was a 285, 350, 387 hitter. And then in 12 years in Japan, all of which he was playing for the Swallows, he's a 323, 401, 458 hitter. So combine all that, and he's a 310, 384, 433 hitter, which is not exactly superstar, but it's pretty good. Mm-hmm. And that's the kind of player that he is. That's the kind of player that I think any any team would want a bunch of. Can, can I admit something as sort of a tangent here? Every time you say your cult swallows, I hear a cult swallows, and I <laughs> really want a demonic-themed uh, Yakult swallows jersey line now. Can that we get their marketing cool. department on the line? I think we have something here. I mean, some kind cool. of occult thing is, is cooler than a swallow. Like, I mean, swallows aren't really cool birds. Just make a fucking, like, Cthulhu swallow and have that be the mascot <laughs> for yeah. a day. I mean, basically... I, I, I'll take ten. A swallow, you know, it's like a generic kind of little bird. And then uh-huh. Yakult, they sell, like, yogurt. That's, like, their whole corporation is they sell yogurt. Don't they make Kelpico or is that a different... Who makes Kelpico? I don't know. I just know that their Yakult is like a, it's like a probiotic drink, like kafir mm-hmm. and, and like gogurt, whatever. So it's not exactly a, a awe-inspiring team, but you add some Cthulhu, you add some occult to it, that, that'll... Have them all wearing like pentagrams and that, that'd be pretty sweet. Nice. Never gonna happen because no. of the children or something. I don't know. Oh no, actually, do we want to introduce tentacle monsters in Japan? Oh no, Steve! Oh, no. Steve! I blame you, Lucas. This is oh, all your fault. No. <laughs> I gotta be honest, I hadn't even considered that. Anyway. Uh, let's, let's go to break and maybe everyone will forget about that. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. All right, so now it's time to look at our weekly affiliates and see how they did. And first up are the Syracuse Mets. They went 3-3. Three and three. And they are now 7-16 and 16 on the year, which is 5th place in the AAA East, Northeast. And a whole nine and a half games behind the 1st place, Scranton, Wilkes-Barre, Railriders. Is that all? Are they, are they still yeah. the Yankees affiliates, Scranton? Mm-hmm. Okay. So they've got uh, a lot of catching up to do. But 
the players that should be on the Syracuse Mets are on the actual Mets and are winning. So yeah. you figure that once they go back to Syracuse, they'll keep winning, right? So. Yeah, I'd like, I'd like to mock Thomas for his preseason bold prediction of the, <laughs> every team having a winning record, but well, I'll reserve that until the next team because the Christ. Syracuse team has a, an excuse. Christ. I thought Binghamton was going to be bad, but. Oh boy. Yeah. Well, I didn't expect this. Believe it or not, they doubled their win total this week, Binghamton. They went two and five on the week. <laughs> wow. So they are now four and 19 on the year. Good Lord. Believe it or not, though, they are not alone in last place anymore. What? Nope. Them and the Fighting Phils. They're both 4-19 on the season. So Binghamton has some company uh, 12 games behind first place. I'm looking at the Fighting Phils roster just to see how bad it is. It's comparable to Binghamton. Mark Appel apparently still here. That's a throwback. Um, yikes. Yikes. This is a roster. There is no, there's one prospect on this roster that I recognized. No. It's the I mean, that's not so far off from Big Ben. Yeah, that's very true. Well, one team that does have its fair share of prospects, they haven't uh, been doing so great themselves, the Brooklyn Cyclones. They went 1-4 and four this week, so that leaves them at 7-14 and 14 on the year, which is dead last in the high A East North, and whopping seven and a half games behind the Aberdeen Ironbirds. Not optimal for them. No. Thank no. God, though, we have the St. Lucie Mets. St. Lucie must win, baby! <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The St. Lucie Mets are the lone bright spot in the system right now in terms of tolerable, watching tolerable baseball. Um, they only had a 500 week though. They went 3-3, three and three, so they are at 15-8, and eight, which is still first place in the low A Southeast East. Um, three games ahead of the, the Daytona Tortugas. And before we move on, I gotta say that this entire week, rain has been screwing with everything. I, I have another complaint. I had to. Mm. Co- I, I, I very graciously, you know, volunteered to cover Thomas's uh, farm report duties on whatever day that was, only to find there were two doubleheaders. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> like doing yeah. the old farm reports with seven teams. The other day we had all four affiliates get rained out, which is something that I don't ever remember happening. I think I think it was you, Lucas. You said that basically, you know, since three of the four teams are local now, that's something that we might see yeah. a lot more. Yeah, I mean, right. I, instead of storms in Tennessee, Florida, Brooklyn, and Syracuse, you need, like, general New York, New Jersey storms and also Florida. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Which and this Florida, time of year. It's exactly. not rare, yeah. It's always a toss-up in Florida, so... Everything's a toss-up in Florida. That's probably like the state motto or something. <laughs> That's true. It's also uh, it's also good that Ken isn't here this week, so we don't have to discuss Francisco Alvarez's 167, 154, 167 line in Brooklyn so far. Well, we're not going to talk about that. That's because of the rain. Anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's the bat's wet. It's hard for him to swing. Mm-hmm. Don't worry. Have you, have you ever run down a muddy first base line before? <laughs> in Coney well, Island? Especially in Coney Island. <laughs> There's hot dogs everywhere. 
Please don't start my hot dog cravings again. <laughs> All right, well, even though there were not too many games played this week, we still have some players of the week. And for on the hitting side of things, the hitter of the week is Mason Williams on the Syracuse Mets. And in five games this week, he went nine for 19, which is a 474 average with four doubles, a home run, six RBI, three walks and four strikeouts. And earned himself a call up, it seems. And yep, and he earned himself a call up. Call up, excuse me, and a call out. This is a call out. Have they um, uh, confirmed what the move is? I assume they're just going to send Lee down. And that's just pay so. Tovar. So Nothing has the game happened yet, so. tonight got canceled, so they're yeah. not going to do anything till tomorrow. Well, uh, well, let me rephrase the question then. What do we think makes the most sense to make room for Mason Williams on this roster? Um, I would assume Lee. Lee and DFA Tarpley or something. You can DFA Tarpley and then DFA Tovar for Pete, assuming yeah. Pete's back. Pete's yeah. supposed to be. Yeah. Buster Olney said that he's going to come back the next time they play. He'll be activated. Correct, me if, I'm, so. correct me if I'm wrong here, but I remember way back when Mason Williams being a part of a trio of top prospects in the Yankee system yeah. along with mm-hmm. Dylan Batances and Manny Benuelos. Yep. He was a big-time Yankee prospect, yeah. Yeah. He was drafted in the 2010 draft in the fourth round by the Yankees. They signed him out of a commitment to the University of South Carolina. And the first couple of years in his time there, he basically hit well every level and turned into one of their best prospects in the system and was kind of a back half um, best prospect in baseball. But he started struggling in 2013 when he got assigned to Trenton. Coming to the year, he was just coming off of labrum surgery from the end of the 2012 season. He was arrested for DWI that April. Things, you know, he just didn't look like the same player. And the numbers, you know, bore that out. And then to make things even worse, he started getting himself benched and, and suspended for things like not hustling and stuff like that. So he kind of seemed just just done with everything. But despite all the problems, they called him up, up in 2015, and he was actually pretty solid in eight games. In eight games, he hit 286 with three doubles and a home run. So not bad. But um, he hurt his shoulder, and he needed season-ending surgery, so that was the end of that. Then he got a cup of coffee in 2016 at the end of September, uh, a quick cameo in July 2017. But, you know, he couldn't get any permanent footing with them, and nothing ever came of it, so he became a free agent. And then he played with Cincinnati for a little bit, and he played with the Baltimores for a little bit. But same thing, he just really couldn't find himself a permanent spot on the major league team and just kept basically getting assigned to triple A teams. And that's what happened with uh, him this year. The Mets signed him and they're about to call him up. So, you know, we'll see. We've seen the same song and dance with him before where he hits well in the upper minors and is not really able to do much in the majors, but he can't be worse than Cameron Mabin has. No. Poor Cameron Maven. Yeah. Nothing against him. I like him as a player, but he's not been good. No. Yeah. And and he is um um Mason is uh Williams is a pretty solid outfielder too, so helps. He's definitely like earns the call up and I'm happy mm-hmm. they 
pulled the trigger because, like, obviously he probably is not going to be a huge contributor, but also look at what the roster is right now, and he's hitting in AAA, so. And then Butch Mather have veteran depth guy on the bench not hitting. Then Khalil Lee, who should be getting every, wherever Khalil Lee is, he should be getting every day at bats. I know why he had to be in uh, with the big team, and I'm sure some of it helped, and I'm sure it's going to, like, just being around the vets and being around guys Mm -hmm. like Lindor and everyone else will be helpful for a young kid. But also, he's not ready. (laughs) No. (laughs) It's just going to, it's just going to make him, like, you can't let him do yeah. that to himself. It's just... I, I don't fault them for bringing him up because they had they needed a body. And now that they have a different body, they will presumably send him back down and everything will be fine. And yep. two, week, two weeks of struggle... Two weeks of struggling at the ma- in the major leagues, not getting every day at bats, so it's not going to break make or break his career here. So if it was mm-hmm. three months, on the other hand, yeah, exactly different. But they, they've done it in a, it hasn't been a long enough time to really affect anything. He had his Mets moment with the, with the double and he made a, the defense is obviously real. Like he yep. could play some outfield and now he gets to go back to Syracuse and be a little more like, Hey, I've been up there. I know what it's like. So now I know what I need to do to get mm-hmm. to that next level and stick there. Mm-hmm. And now pitcher of the week is another Syracuse player, Franklin Killame. He made one start this week, and he went seven strong innings. He allowed one hit. He walked three, struck out seven, and he had a no-hitter going for a couple of those innings. And nice. this is literally the best game Kilomay's ever had as a professional. He had a 79-game oh, yeah. score, and that beat out his prior high of 78, which came on September 4th, 2016, when he was still in the Philly system and he was pitching for Lakewood. In that game, he threw six scoreless innings, gave up two hits, and struck out ten against the Greensboro Grasshoppers. And I was about Kilmaze, to wonder why he hasn't gotten a chance, and then I looked at his AAA stat line. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely been a, a mixed bag. He has a 401 ERA in 24 and two-thirds innings with very, very symmetrical 15 hits allowed, 15 walks, 15 strikeouts. Batters are hitting 179 off of him. And they're slugging 274, so that's pretty good. But because of all the walks, they're getting on base at a 333 clip, which obviously is not good. Mm-hmm. And I was looking at some of the kind of stack stuff that's available for him, and the sinker is really heavy right now. He's allowed just one home run in in five starts in, you know, 20, what did I say, uh, 24 and two-thirds innings, which is pretty good. Look at the other guys in the Syracuse staff. Jesus Reyes, he's allowed eight. Jared Eichoff, he's allowed seven. Jordan Yamamoto, he's allowed three. A bunch of levers, they've given up two or three. Basically, Thomas Apucky is the only other Syracuse starter with double-digit double digit innings pitched that hasn't allowed more than one, just like Killamay. And if you look at all of AAA, there's only three guys that have pitched that many innings as Killamay and have given up fewer homers. Um, one dude, nice Griff, Griffin Jacks, he's on the St. Saint Paul Saints. Um Jackson I remember Kowar. him being a prospect for like a half second. Kovar too. Mm-hmm. Yep, on the Omaha, yeah, Omaha Storm Chasers, and then Drew Stotman on the Durham Bolts. They're the only ones that have given up fewer home runs. So, and home runs definitely were a problem with Kilmey. I mean, look yeah. at 2020. He gave up a bazillion of them in mm-hmm. like 10 innings. So, 
it's nice to see that is that is that the fastball is sinking a lot more. But obviously, Triple A is not the major leagues, so there's no guarantee that if Kilmay got some MLB time, he wouldn't be giving up home runs left and right again. And Surprise. speaking of MLB time, <laughs> go ahead. He was DFA'd, and he's not on the 40 man. So if they wanted to add him back, there would have to be some more roster movement. Which is, as we know, kind of crazy right now because so many players are temp guys. So they're probably not. I could not see some spots opening um, on the forty because they're gonna have to DFA some uh, some of the replacements, and yeah, at least a few of them are gonna get claimed by someone because they've hit a little bit or they've shown something while they were playing for the Mets. So I wouldn't be surprised if there's a bit of an opening in the forty just down the line in a few weeks when everyone's coming back, presumably if everyone comes back. Because <laughs> apparently with the Mets, you never yeah. know who's coming back. But Nemo has a nerve issue now, Thomas. Yeah, like, well, okay. I want to cry. <laughs> my, top se- I, my top seven center field prediction was tracking, and then this. I mean, yeah. <laughs> uh, not great. I, I could see a few of the guys getting claimed if they keep playing, and the Mets keep winning, and some team needs a bench bat. Peraza so. and Drury, in particular, I think yep. some like one hundred percent would get claimed. I would try to figure out a way to keep both of them. I could see McKinney um, getting claimed too. Yeah, um, yeah, it's going to be annoying when these guys get claimed. It is like the there's nothing the Mets could really do about it either. Like they have to DFA some dudes to get guys off the sixty. But also, I don't want to... You also know exactly what's going to happen, right? They're going to activate some guys, have to DFA (laughs) dudes. The second they get claimed, the guys that were activated are going to be hurt again, and then (laughs) our depth is gone. Yep. It's nice to have depth, though. No, I mean... This is the first time... They're three and a half games up with this roster. Yeah, the first time in, and I don't even know when was the last time that there was a, a secondary player on the Mets that was actually like solid. Scott I, mean, I was, was going to was... say like, can you imagine the a Wilpon era Mets team going through this many injuries? And then I remembered you don't have to imagine it because 2009 was a thing. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> and look how terrible that season was. It was horrific. <laughs> and like, I'm, this Mets team isn't like winning outside of yesterday, like winning convincingly, but they're winning. They're in first place. They have the biggest division lead in the league somehow. Like it's also helps that the rest of the division is just garbage, but that's not the Mets fault. (laughs) When is a win? They play who they play. Yeah. They got to play who's on the roster. I mean, who's on the schedule? Like it's not, I don't really like doing the strength of schedule stuff against teams because it's not their fault. They're not picking their opponent. Like, you just got to play who you're scheduled. And mm-hmm. if you get lucky enough that you get to face this division all the time where the Braves are mostly healthy and getting blown out by this Mets team, then good for you. Yep. Like, just functionally, if, if they're not healthy come playoff times, they will get their ass kicked by the Braves and Padres. So, or not Braves, uh, Dodgers and Padres. Oh, yeah. So... Working on the presumption that they will be healthy come playoff time, because otherwise this whole exercise is pointless, they just need to tread water for a little bit. Go 500 or slightly under. Just avoid playing 2-10 level baseball for a month until some reinforcements get back, and you're fine. 
this series in Arizona is important because then yes. they face some good teams after that. They're going to face <laughs> yeah. the Padres, and it's going to be bad. Yeah. West Coast trip with an elite Padres team. I don't want to. Yeah. That has the potential to be, like, going to bed at 2 a.m. really pissed. Oh, we're we're going to be – I'm just not going to watch. It's <laughs> – the Mets are sweeping. You heard it here, folks. Uh-huh. Steve, the eternal optimist. Steve, the eternal optimist. All right, well, um, let's move on now to, oh, yeah, that guy. And this week, back in 2010, here's a name. Kyle Allen had a pretty good week for the, the quarterback. Mets. No, <laughs> the, the Mets pitcher. <laughs> Eight innings, one run ball. Uh, he did allow seven hits, which isn't great, but he didn't strike at anybody, and he struck, excuse me, he didn't walk anybody, and okay, he struck that makes out, more sense. and he struck out three, which back in, you know, back in that era was like 50, so. This is a name I have no recollection of, I have to be totally honest. Yeah, Alan, he was another guy that was like, during my early days of following minor league baseball, but Mets drafted him in the 24th round in the, 2008 draft out of the IMG Academy in Florida. They gave him a $150,000 bonus. They bought him out of a commitment to North Carolina State. He looked good in the GCL when, when he first was drafted, and he was pretty solid in Savannah as a 19-year-old, which is, you know, pretty strong, age-appropriate. Um, they promoted him to St. Lucie, and that was basically all she wrote. He spent three full years there from 2010 to 2012. And he posted a combined 543 ERA in 263 in the third innings with a 4.3 walk per nine and a 5.7 strikeout per nine. And he was released during spring training of 2013, played a little bit in the Indies in 2014-2015, but that was basically all for his baseball career. And Allen reading, you know, going back and reading some stuff, he was kind of divisive back in the day. There were some people like John Sickles, Kevin Goldstein from BP that really liked him and hyped him a lot. And then there were other guys like Toby Hyde did not like him at all. Uh, obviously, Toby turned out to be right. And that kind of just shows the importance. I mean, we say this a lot on the show. Uh, it just goes to show the importance of, of you know, seeing players and getting your information from the people that actually see the players on a regular basis as opposed to, in a lot of cases, the prestige names from the big outlets that just kind of rely on secondhand info and stuff that they're told. Um, because really, the sum of Allen's parts were, you know, like his individual parts were not really that great. And even the sum of his parts were not really that great. Fastball sat in the high 80s and topped out around like 91, 92, which again, back in 2010 for, for a teenager, it's, that's solid, but not like, you know, amazing or nothing like that. And then he complemented it with a changeup and a slider. The changeup was pretty advanced for someone his age. The slider was not so much. It kind of flashed average on its best day. And he was never a big strikeout guy. He was more of a, of a ground ball pitcher. But by the time, you know, it was the end of his career, he was allowing more and more fly balls, which obviously is not good. Maybe the Mets gave up on him a little too early. He was just 23 when he was released. But there really wasn't too much projection left, and the trends were all headed in the wrong direction, so maybe not. 
I think we could all agree, though, that, you know, even if he did have more time in organized baseball, given how we've seen baseball develop with, you know, pitchers throwing upper 90s fastballs and extreme off-speed stuff, he probably wouldn't have thrived if he was in baseball for a couple more years, I don't think. No, no. He would have just been more the same. Or maybe he would have been like a driveline success story. Who the hell knows? Yeah, there's, there's yeah, that too. Know. But yeah, he is a guy, and he did pitch in the Mets system once upon a time, and he is not a quarterback currently. It's not the quarter, not a bad quarterback for the Carolina Panthers, and <laughs> did the Redskins sign him? I don't remember. I don't remember. He's Sorry, somewhere. Washington football team. He's somewhere though, yeah. kicking around. No, he th- he's a quarterback, not a kicker. It's always hard trying to dig up information about guys who also happen to be, you know, sharing names with guys that are a lot more popular or successful. Yeah. I don't think I would describe Kyle Allen as particularly popular or successful. Well, hey, he's a backup more so than more so than <laughs> Kyle Allen the pitcher, so. <laughs> Panthers fans, at least the Panthers fans in our Slack do not like Kyle Allen. God, no. Alright, and now we'll wrap things up some of the Will Pondery of the Week. And the Will Pondery of the Week goes to Gigi Gaskins, who is the owner of Hatworks Nashville. Obviously, oh, a, this a hat lady. store. Yeah. Uh, basically a few days ago she added a new, <laughs> a new item to her, to her hat store. Um, a yellow patch of a Star of David that said not vaccinated. Oh. Uh, $5 a piece if you want. No. Yeah. Uh, when people started calling her out, she just dug herself even deeper. She she said, quote, People are so outraged by my post, but are you outraged with the tyranny that this world is experiencing? If you don't understand what's happening, then that's on you. Just I, pay, I pay much more respect to history by standing up with the fallen than offering silence and compliance. Did you now, Steve, did you see what happened today? What happened today? So Stets, so several hat manufacturers basically said, yeah, we're not giving her stuff anymore <laughs> while she was doubling down. And then Stetson, who obviously make the cowboy hats, uh, told her to fuck off, and she immediately changed her tune. Like, I didn't uh, need to cause any offense whatsoever. It's like, uh-huh. Oh, of course. Sure, lady. If you, can't uh, sell, if you can't sell Stetsons in Nashville, then you're just might as well go out of business. They love their cowboy stuff. I thought I thought haberdasheries were supposed to be, you know, classy institutions. <laughs> Clearly not. Just get vaccinated. Yes, get vaccinated, please. Good on uh shout out Nick's for not that I'm a Nick's fan, but shout out Nick's for saying uh if you want to come to games, get oh, yeah. vaccinated. Is that the first good thing James Dolan has ever done? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Because it is legitimately very good. Yes. And with with indoor things like that, I don't see how they can let any sizable amount of people into stadiums. At least with baseball, it's outdoors, so the risk is mitigated slightly. But indoor gatherings, like, come on. You can't yeah. you can't not let people in that are not vaccinated and everything. Ba- baseball is also still in the regular season, at least, too. So it's not necessarily packed to the gills. Mm-hmm. Playoff basketball in an arena. It's the Knicks too, like yeah, yeah, yeah. forever. I will People thoroughly enjoy Joel Embiid burying them thirty feet under the court. They're not, they're not beating the Hawks. I don't think it's not that looking too. too good. No, it is. 
All right. Well, if anyone has any questions, comments, whatever, you could send us an email at our email address from complex to greens at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter and shoot us questions there. I'm at Steve Seipa. Lucas is at Elvahos343. Ken is at Ken1191. And Thomas is at SadMetSeason, SZN. Subscribe to the podcast, wherever you have podcast from, rate and review it. And of course, thank you for listening. And we will be back next week. So until then, love the Mets. Love the Mets. <laughs>